Hey everybody, I'm Hamid Jazani Kufar and this is Gameology Conversations. Now in this episode we have a guest who has given life to many of our beloved characters from many great games. And I'm proud to say that our special guest is the amazing Troy Baker, the actor behind many of our beloved heroes and villains. <laughs> to be honest, this was a very, very stressful interview for me because of many reasons. First, under other line, imagine you hear the voice of Joel from Last of Us, Joker from Batman, the Batman himself, Booker from Bioshock, Pagan Mean from Far Cry, Ocelot from Metal Gear, and so many other characters. That's not the only reason for me to be scared of doing this interview. The main reason is I'm a big fan of Troy. I love this guy not only because he's Troy Baker the voice actor, I love this guy because he's the Troy Baker the humble and smart and genius guy, so I didn't want to sound like an idiot in front of my hero. But to be honest, he's such a nice person that in a second makes you comfortable. So if you're listening to this, Troy, thanks for being an inspiration. I didn't dare to even mention that I do voices for games too, and I was the composer, so I hope one day we act and jam together. Anyway, let me clear something about this episode. We have bad connection during this interview, so some parts are unclear, and we edited some parts to make it presentable. But at the end we lost connection with Troy and he was nice enough to text me the answer to our last question, so I'm going to read it at the end of the interview. Such an honor to voice over Troy Baker. Okay, let's uh, enjoy this conversation and don't laugh, I suck, man. Come on, my hands were shaking. How are you? I'm so sorry for making you wait, I just had a meeting that was a little bit over. No, 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 it's all right, it's all right, it's all right. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Can you hear me well? I can hear you great, am I good? Yeah, yeah, you're good, thank you. Oh, this Just is... uh, caught me in the car as I'm heading to a meeting, so I apologize if there's any road noise, oh, but oh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, just be careful, man. <laughs> Always. Yeah, uh, I just can't believe this happening, man. Mr. Baker, thank you so much for doing this interview. This is really, really <laughs> surreal and scary for me. I still can't believe it that I'm speaking with the Troy Baker. Oh, man. <laughs> just always understand that as nervous as you are, I'm <laughs> infinitely more nervous because I don't want to sound like a babbling idiot. You have the right to edit yourself all like you know, all you can. I'm, I'm at your mercy. So. No, no. Uh, I still don't know if I'm really doing this or it's just a dream. I love you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate that. You know, I, I kind of feel like a 13 years old girl at Justin Bieber's concert in the first row. <laughs> so that excited. I man. always feel like that, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, how can I help you, man? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, really interesting because, you know, you're living in America and we're far away in Iran and you're doing voices in English for video games. And you wouldn't believe the fan base you have in Iran. I posted on my Instagram that I'm going to speak with you and people went crazy about it. And you see on the internet. <laughs> oh, man, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, you can see it on the internet that there are topics about you. Like, it's going to be Batman. It's going to be Nate's brother in Uncharted. And it's amazing how a voice can travel all the way the globe. And with a simple line like, don't do this to me, baby. And bring tears wow. to the eyes of someone who might not even know English. So I'm talking about voice, not language. I'm talking about performance, not graphics. I'm talking about Troy Baker, bitches, not anyone else. Wow, man. Well, thank you. What a great metaphor. That's incredible. Yeah. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, let's talk about your background. Uh, it would be awesome to hear uh, about you uh, with your own voice. So how did you become this amazing Troy Baker? Oh, man. Well, I'm still working on the amazing part, but <laughs> it's, it's been a hell of a journey, man. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. I This is about as far away from what I thought my life was going to look like as it could possibly get. Yeah. And I think the only thing that has been the constant in my life is to just be open to the interruption. Yeah. And there's been a lot of interruptions in my life that some have been perceived immediately as a good thing. Some have been perceived as a bad thing, but they've ultimately led me to where I'm at now. Yeah. And I think everyone who has wanted to become an actor or I've done something as an artist, you know, their, their path is very, very unique and custom tailored for them. And for me, it's just riddled with mistakes and, and foolhardy steps and just being in the right place at the right time and, and surrounding myself, fortunately, with people that have enough grace and patience to put up with a lot of the stuff that I do that, have, that you know, ultimately has led me to where I'm at. So somebody asked me once, you know, what are your keys to success? And I said, I, I don't know, but I sure do know the doors to failure. Yeah. So I don't know which has led me to where I'm at now, but I'm grateful for both. Great, great. Now, uh, looking back at the looking back at the history of video games, I think uh, voice acting has become more and more crucial. I mean, it's not voice acting anymore; it's really acting, it performance acting. So, what do you yeah. uh, what do you think about these changes, and where do you think it goes in future? Well, I think that they're a natural response, and it really isn't. I think, honestly, the, the people who have been driving the evolution of games where they're at now are yeah. the player. It's it's completely driven by the player's expectations and the player's desires. Um, you know, we've we've created these new processes to make games more cinematic or make games more immersive or make games more um, of, a, of a broader scope experience like we do with open world. Everyone's going open world. And that's because most players, you know, or, or a, a large percentage of players like yeah. me try to break a game. And we understand that there's a campaign and that there's a golden path that we're on. But what happens if I do this? Yeah. And you know, that's, that's really where the whole open world thing came from was players saying, what happens when I do this? And that becoming design. And I think that where the narrative sits inside of a interactive experience has completely been driven by the, the necessitation for players to have a character and a story that they believe and they want to get lost in. Yeah, exactly. And that's why TV and film has been so successful is because they've given people content for them to binge watch. They've given content for them to really invest, you know, whether it be hours, weeks, months, years into the lives of the characters that they're trying to tell Mm -hmm. That's the same way, but really with games, it does it in a way that, that TV, film, books, anything can't do because you're not just a passive passenger, yeah. but you're an active participant in the story. 
I think the way of using dialogues in game have changed. I mean, before when a person was talking, we were like, oh, "Cut the crap, man! Let's shoot some people in the nuts." But now it's more yeah. interesting. Uh, I mean, I really enjoyed just walking and talking with Ellie in Last of Us, and I remember I couldn't wait to play Infamous to hear Delson and his brother argue over some stupid thing, and that is really powerful. And I think with Uncharted Four, it found some amazing Uncharted ter- territory in some storytelling. And it's like about. Yeah, let's uh, talk about improvisation. I mean, how much should an actor improvise and when should it happen? And what is your approach? Man, this has been a hard lesson for me to learn. <laughs> and I'll never forget on my first movie, um, the first scene that we shot. So this is my first movie I'd ever done. Yeah. It was the first scene that we were shooting. It was a huge six-page scene between myself and Steve Zahn. And I'm just sitting on a horse and I'm looking up at him as he's just reciting this beautiful soliloquy about, you know, this wistful youth that he had. And, um, and I remember just sitting there and I had like three lines. I had nothing to say. And so I felt the need to kind of punch up my performance a little bit. (laughs) And Simon Winsor, the director, um, in between takes call out to me and my character's name was PI and that's all he would call me. And he was this, uh, Australian bloke. And he goes, PI, it's a wonderful script. I said, yes, sir, it is. He goes, don't try to make it better. <laughs> I went, understood. So there's, there's a lot of times when, you know, you have a writer um, that is really kind of bringing you a template or an intention and asking you to do the work on the character to fill in the blanks. Yeah. Or there's times when you really need to honor, you need to res- always respect, and this is something that has come to me at great cost is learning that by the time those that script is handed to you, there's blood on those pages. <laughs> Wars have been fought over those words. Yeah. And just as I would want someone to respect my contribution to the process, I need to respect the writer's contribution to the process and, and realize that he spent or she has spent a lot of time carefully crafting those words. And so I always try it, or at least now, I always try to make the words work. And Neil Druckmann, honestly, is one of the people that yeah. has really taught this to me because my, my initial instinct before would have been, the line feels wrong, so we need to change it. Mm-hmm. And what he was able to show me was that if I feel in conflict with a particular line or a thought or an intention, perhaps it's not the line that has the deficiency, but it's me. There's something about the character or the scene yeah. that I don't understand yet. And so I think that's always my approach now is, is going, why, why these words now? Why, what's the point of this? And then you, be, you, through relationship and you, through partnership, start working with your director, writer, other actors, or whoever, and say, is there a different way that we can say this? Or what about this do I not understand? And that, to me, has really seemed to serve me better. And I think it it helps the people that I'm partnered with really feel like we're in partnership as opposed to me being this lone wolf trying to just do my own thing. Yeah. Yeah, great answer. And uh, how do you prepare yourself for a role? I mean, how do you find appropriate voice for it, for a character? And what do you do mentally to understand a character? 
Man, you know, after The Last of Us and, and obviously with Uncharted, Neil Druckmann and I, I again, I, I'm going to talk a lot about Neil just because that man has probably taught me more in such a short amount of time than than most people I've yeah. met in my life. Um, I'm going to talk a lot about Neil Druckmann because he's yeah. taught me so much. But, um, you know, we've we've kept in so much contact and, and yeah. a lot of times it's just kind of shooting the shit, honestly. It's just kind of we, we miss these characters. We, we dream about where, you know, now not only Joel and Ellie, but what Sam Drake is doing, you know, yeah. we just kind of have these great conversations. He said, you know, I don't think I've ever asked you, what is your process? <laughs> and I said, I, I don't, I don't know if I have one. And I started thinking about it and probably the, you know, a lot of people, like you said, you want to find a voice and, you know, you didn't choose the voice that you have. Mm-hmm. You were born in a specific country with parents that spoke a specific language. That's the language you grew up learning. You have learned other language since it, you know, so you have adopted the way that you speak through your experiences. And it's the same way with the character. I don't want to try to, you know, force the character to be in this, like, this is what you sound like. So this is who you are as a person, because the way that you speak says a lot about you as a person. Yeah. Um, if you're educated, not educated, you know, all, where you've grown up, everything. So for me, it's really understanding who the character is, where they've come from, um, all the, you know, the, the standard tenements that you hear actors and directors talk about. But for me, the, I guess the one thing that I do that helps me understand the person, not just know about the person, but is think about a secret that that character has that nobody else knows but he and I. Yeah. Now, and, uh, and once I'm able to block that, that, that really kind of helps set up that character. Exactly. And it's really interesting because uh, you have voiced Batman and Joker, not to mention other DC characters. And sure. uh, so uh, when you're facing a character crazy as like Joker, uh, what do you do? Or what, what do you do to be prepared to be the sound of such an iconic character uh, in Batman? Well, that's, you know, that's a great example of what it looks like when you're really kind of bringing yourself to a character, not, not trying to bring the character to you, because here I have this wonderful and I'm able to look back through, you know, 20 years, over 20 years of what yeah. he did with Batman the Animated Series and then, of course, you know, the Arkham games and the Joker that we were trying to create for what I was doing really kind of fit into that universe so it was on me to not try to come up with my own version of joker which i think honestly i would have crumbled under that pressure but really just go what's what's it let's take a snapshot of this person at a younger age yeah and that's a little bit easier to wrap your head around that goes oh wait a minute it's it's more what do i do you know looking at myself you know 20 years ago what was i like i was a really unbridled you know, way less focused version of myself, but it's still the same person. And that specifically with the Joker, that helps because Mark Hamill is the Joker to me. You know, exactly. that's, that's, yeah. that's who he is. So why would I try to either do something different or try to make what he did better? It's literally just, I think my Joker wanted to become Mark Hamill's Joker. And so that just kind of naturally came out. Yeah. Did you get any comments from Mark Hamill? Man, it took a hot minute for that to happen, and I was always really curious to see what he thought. And I heard, you know, that you know through the grapevine because we have the same agent that he was very complimentary. 
but it wasn't until last year at the Dice Awards, I believe, um, we were backstage together at the same time. And, you know, Mark, Mark does so much stuff, and especially the last few years, I've been a little crazy with him for this, this little small indie movie that he's doing yeah. called Star Wars. Um, but I saw him backstage, and I was like, hey, Mark, I, I just wanted to introduce myself to you. He's like, Troy, of course I know who you are. <laughs> I went, okay, that's awesome. First of all, I, can, I, could, I could stop there, but I said I just wanted to um, just say thank you, you know, for, for being a real good inspiration for me. For what I was like, I had to check to make sure that after hearing you, I didn't have one of my blackout moments because it sounded like me. He goes, you really, really did a great job. So he was incredibly complimentary, and that meant the world to me. You, you, you know, you always want to be remem- at least remembered well or praised for the hard work that you put into, but I think in this business, you have to learn really quickly that that can't be the goal. Your goal has to be completely internally motivated that says, I did the work the best that I could. Yeah. And, but it's always good to hear you know, a little praise from the people that you admire the most. That is insane, man. Uh, among among the characters you voiced, who's the closest one to your own personality? I wish to hear Joker here. Well, that would be <laughs> that would be a, this conversation would get really scary if that was the dominant truth. You know, honestly, man, it's it's interesting that you brought up Infamous because I think I'd have to say that that character, there's so much of Troy and Travis that is in Reggie and Delson. Yeah. Um, just because. You know, Travis is like a brother to me. He's like my big brother. So that that relationship came very, very natural for us. And, you know, I at least romantically want to think that I'm super punk, you know, like Delson is. Um, uh-huh. And the thing that I love about Delson is that it, it's kind of been a theme for the the superheroes that I've been drawn to the most growing up, which is the character that takes an affliction and turns it into a strength. And that's where Delson's at. You know, he gets cursed with this, as Reggie calls it, affliction. And Delson very quickly is able to take that and go, no, this is actually the license and the resources for me to really be the person that I want to be. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I, I, I look at that and, and the things that I was always kind of, my brand of nerd was the fact that I like comic books and video games and music. And I was terrible at sports and, you know, I I was, I was awkward growing up and I learned to take those things that I hated and really make them my strength. So I think that's a character that I can really most closely identify with. Yeah. I love that game. And you did an amazing job on that. Thank you, man. I love it too. Yeah. Uh, Recently I've had the honor to write back and forth with Mr. Ken Levin, really worship the ground this man walks on how was it yeah. work- how was it working with him and were were there anything different about voice uh voicing the man i will say this ken levine you know people are... yeah yeah well for me you know i was i was a huge huge bioshock fan going into this yeah. um and i repper i i understood what that game well the, oh. the long and short of it is this that ken levine is absolutely a mad genius yeah um, and I'm excited to see what his next project is that he's been talking about as well. But you know, that's, that's someone that you just want to sit and learn at their feet because they have so much to give. And I, I really feel that, you know, Bioshock Infinite was really, really hard on Ken. And I think it, 
it kind of paralleled my journey in a lot of ways because we both learned a lot of lessons in the year of 2013. Yeah. Uh, um, and the subsequent years following, but I, um, he's someone that I'm honored to call a friend and that I would work with again, given the opportunity any time of the day. Yeah. Amazing person. Now, <clears throat> Joel in The Last of Us is a very interesting character because he's no hero and nor a bad person. Uh, how did you balance this fine line for his character? Carefully. Very, very carefully. Um, and I would even take it a step further and say that there really is, if there is a villain in The Last of Us, it's yeah. the world. It's, exactly. it's just the world that they're in. Because I could look at David and, and completely justify everything that he's done. Maybe, maybe not attacking Ellie. Maybe that was a little too far. Uh -huh. But, you know, it's, David is the one who says, you know, hey, you guys are doing the exact same thing that we are. What's the difference? Yeah. Um, and so for me, it's, it, it always came back to this one line about Joel, that he has few moral lines left to cross. Yeah. And that, that, to me, is a very revealing statement about that character, because if he's able to do the things that he is doing, it begs the question of why. And I think once you always filter it through that question, it really helps you strike the balance between the hero and the villain and understanding that we all live in the gray in between. Yeah. Now, uh, if you were Joel, uh, what would you do at the end of The Last, last of Us? Oh, man, I, I love the ending. <laughs> I, I think it's Who so honest. Well, there's a lot of people that do, that, that, that absolutely hate it and still wrestle with it. But I think that was really the point of what Neil was going for, which was... <laughs> to borrow from Batman, it may not be the ending that you want, but it's the ending that you need. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's very much of, of, of that. And, and what's great is I got to watch Neil wrestle with it and, and really have to bring himself to this honest place that says, I'm okay with people hating this. Oh, and that. that to me is what makes the last of that, that, heart position is what makes The Last of Us so successful is that it was so honest and it wasn't trying to please you or get you to like it. Exactly. It simply was what it was. It was brutal, like the word itself. So uh, you're also an amazing singer. Uh, do you find time to focus on music? Is there any idea for a new album? Oh, man. Well, it's funny you should ask because that's actually my next meeting that I'm going into. I'm working with wow. an amazing producer. We had, we had great success with our first album, and, and people have been very kind about sharing how much it's meant to them and, and how they've enjoyed the record. Um, and we had such a tremendous time making that record. Why would you not want to do it again? Thank so we're, we're actually in the studio right now. We're working on... Uh, one project that's going to be a little smaller in scope, and then we're working on a full-length project. But um, I'm really, really fortunate to have met and become friends with and and partnered musically with the most incredibly talented people and musicians. And, um, yeah, we're very excited about, about putting out a new album. Yeah, me too. And the uh, among the characters you've voiced, who is your favorite? Man, I know that I should have an answer for this question because it's, it's a very popular one, but I, I re really don't have one just because it, it's, it's, it would be like asking me or have me asking you, what's your favorite word? You know, 
Uh-huh. You, you can't, all of them you need, you need to be able to use to do your trade and they've all taught you something. So for me, it's, it's not so much about making something my favorite, but it's about me finding out what my favorite thing about that is. Yeah. I asked the same question uh, from myself and I couldn't come up with an answer. I mean, this is a really amazing career and you can't just pick one. They, um, you know, trying to get me to nail down my favorite anything is harder than asking a musician to quickly describe what his band sounds like. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah. So uh, what's your favorite line of that dialogue among the characters you voiced? Oh, man. Because I have an answer for that. You know, it's, it's, I, could, I could probably choose my favorite for each character, but not my favorite overall. I love what I swear represents yeah. um, for, for Joel, but, you know, like a lot of times if I'm at a convention or something and I'm, I'm signing something, especially if it's The Last of Us, I love the line, make every shot count, yeah. because that to me is such a transcendent truth. Not only does it represent something very profound in the game, but just in life, it just, it, that, that to me is a really good piece of advice is that you make every shot count because it may be your only shot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, my favorite is Kinsey, why am I toilet again? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> my brother is just now going through Saints Row and he was, he, you know, it, It just passed over when it came out, but he is having such the time of his life playing that game. And he, he was texting me like the, the phonetic, um, the phonetic representation of how my lines sound. <laughs> well, did you do anything anyway? Because I have a tendency to, to especially in Saints Row, kind of speak a little more casually <laughs> than I do in a lot of other roles. So it's it's just really really funny to 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 revisit that game. I love Saints Row, and yeah. it's just it was a fun romp. It was like go play GTA, be serious, the hardcore. Come play Saints Row if you just want to have a couple hours of fun. <laughs> yeah. So uh, any suggestion for the people who wants to be the next Troy Baker? And good luck being the next Troy Baker. Oh man, I would say don't try that. The world's already <laughs> got one, and that's about all I can handle. But, you know, I, I would definitely say this, that understand, for me, this was a huge thing that unlocked a lot of truth for me, which is... Sorry for interrupting, here's where we lost connection, so I have to read the answer Troy sent me. So, here it goes. I would say this. For me, the starting point was understanding that I am enough. I would say that is a truth for everyone, that you are enough. Whatever you've been born with born into you are enough. Once you understand that, you are free to truly believe not only in yourself, but in the character you're playing. What a great answer. And that's it. Thanks for listening. Till next time.